Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Wannabe Games, and I design tabletop role-playing games. And I am here with a truck in the background and my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Sorry, I was just driving by. <laughs> uh, I'm Craig Campbell. I am the owner of Nerdburger Games, and um, I also design role-playing games and climb mountains on the side. I'm just trying to spice up my life and make it sound like I'm more interesting but nobody's going to believe that I climb mountains. So yeah, I, I make games, but we're here with a guest. <laughs> they wouldn't have known if you didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, you're a disembodied voice on the radio, on the internet radio. You could be a mountain climber, but we've got a guest here today. Hi, Joey. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. It's been a little crazy up here. It's uh, snowing real hard in the uh, East coast, Northeast coast of the U.S. Yeah, bomb cyclone or something like that right now, right? Something. It's like, I'm used to Nor'easters, but this is... It was like almost blizzard conditions this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, Joey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am Joey Martin. I am the owner and founder of Drowning Moon Studios, which as many other people who are on the show, it produces tabletop role-playing games and sometimes LARPs, but mostly tabletop. As, as all of our guests, we're all talking about games <laughs> and uh, we're going to start today by talking about a GMing topic. Craig, what's our GMing topic? One shots. GMing one-shot games one time. You're going to sit down with a bunch of people. You're going to play, uh, run a game. It's you're, you're going to tell the whole story in one sit down. Uh, Might that, be really that, good if you're a that could, blizzard. That, it, it could be <laughs> true. One shots could be you know 24 hours long, uh, but I think we're going to probably focus on the idea of playing one kind of more typical session, like how you can kind of you know things to keep in mind as GMing something that's going to be three, four, five hours, you know, something in the. Uh, the shorter range, not in the like all day I'm in college and we're just going to game all Saturday. <laughs> um, this is technically a one shot. I've been up for 17 hours. So yeah, just things to keep in mind for, for dealing with all of that sort of thing. What do you got everybody? So um, the first thing that always comes to mind when discussing one shot games is convention games, mm -hmm. because most of the people, if you're running a game as a GM at a convention, most of the people that are come sitting come to sit at your table and to play, you're never going to see again. And you need to get the whole session finished, like in the time that they are at your table. So that's like the first thing my mind goes to. With a pretty firm deadline too. Exactly. Yeah. To get to. Yeah. And uh, there are like some ways you can kind of fast track a few things to make it easier. If you're GMing at a con, um, depending on the game, you can have like pre-generated characters and just have like a stack of them that people can pick, which not having to go through character creation saves a ton of time, but there are also like some other ways that you can do character creation really, really fast, depending on like what the game is. Like it would be, it would be hard to do for certain games that have very heavy rules and very heavy static character sheets, but some of the ones that are a lot lighter, like um, any of the Powered by the Apocalypse games, mm -hmm. you get your playbook. So it's very easy to go through character creation real fast. Yeah, I think that there are definitely some games that lend themselves more toward a one shot than others. There are some games that like it is hard to fit an entire arc into just maybe a couple hours of a session. Um, but I, th I think most of the games that I've ever played have been pretty amenable to to just that short piece of time whether or not that's creating the characters at the table or having the pre-generated ones. Like I, I would never try to do, for example, a, a D and D game as a one shot without pre-gens um, mm -hmm. or without people bringing their characters in. It takes a long time, I think, for people to 
they have to make their decision about what they want to play. And then they have to make the decision on what spells they're going to take. And I remember back in high school, like that was, we would spend a whole couple hours just making characters before then we, you know, continued into our 17 hour session of, <laughs> of gaming. Yeah. When you've only got four game, uh, four hours to play. Yeah. Gotta have those characters ready or it's gotta be something that's very, like like Joey said, simple. you can make something quickly. Um, if it's a very simple game, even if it's not a playbook oriented game, just that you know, if it's a game that's very simple, it's like oh, you've got like just a handful of traits and character creation is just assigning some points and picking a couple of abilities from a very short list. There are games, of course, that are like you said, they're designed for that sort of thing. You know, like one page RPGs are ideal for that. We'll talk more mm-hmm. on that particular topic later. Um, but yeah, like the, the the simpler the game the easier I think it is probably to run a one shot. That is not to say that you can't have a group of people who are going to play a, you know, 17th level D and D game and give everybody the, the, the rules of, of character creation and uh, everything. And everybody will spend five hours creating a character and having a lot of fun doing that. And then you'll get together and play for a four hour game, but everybody, you know, like that's the total experience, but the game itself is, is, you know, has got that, that shorter time frame. Yeah, you do have to add in the time that you might need to teach rules into mm. like build in that time and build in a little bit of a buffer room because that's going to eat into whatever time you have scheduled, whether that is uh, like if you're playing with a group like they know ahead of time you're going to do a one shot. It's not a convention game. You have access to communication with them. You can give them the rules and tell them to brush up on that. But don't also don't rely on that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned uh, the hard way that people don't always read the things they're supposed to read before they get to a schedule game, regardless of whether it's a one shot or not. Yeah. Some players don't read the rules at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, even with games that have more complex rules and subsystems and things, there are oftentimes parts of the game that aren't necessary to come up, you know, aren't necessarily needed to 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 be present in every session that you play so you might you know you've got a game that's got like really cool car chase rules but maybe you don't have time to try to wedge a car chase into the game and so you stick with uh, the more simple you know the, the base rules system and don't get into the car chase subset um unless you want to do fast and furious in which case it's going to be car chase car chase car chase um heart to heart talk between some bros car chase family <laughs> family yeah um, <laughs> um and if that's if, and if that's what you want then hey you got the base you know play the core game and then you know everybody goes wild with the car chase and, and that's what you do but also with with developing like what the game's going to be about what the adventure is going to be what the story is um i think one of the, the ideal situations is a really strong hook like something that is going to get people immediately interested and involved. Like, here's the story. The, 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 the characters are going to be immediately motivated to do something. Um, and there's a clear goal, even if that goal is a false goal. And they're going to learn that there's another more important or greater goal later, but something to get everything rolling. Because you don't, in, in the one-shot game, you don't have the the uh the benefit of the home game where you can spend like you know well this session we spent an hour role playing between the characters and then we spent an hour shopping and then we spent an hour <laughs> slowly getting the information we needed from the crazy wizard in the corner at the tavern who uh who was constantly getting sidetracked before he told us what he needed us to do and now we'll go on the adventure but you need like okay you're you know there's a haunted house go stop the ghosts okay done understood i know exactly what i need to do and my character mm-hmm. is a ghost hunter and i'm ready to go 
Um, so yeah, something that you can, that you can latch onto very quickly and jump right into the story. Yeah. Pre-made modules. Sorry. Sorry, Joey. Pre-made modules will tell you, they'll tell you about how much time the character should spend before they jump into the, the actual eventually whatever information gathering they are going to do. But sometimes doing the info dump, if you feel like you're running a little bit short on time is okay for, for those one shots, just for the sake of time. Yeah, I also, I also uh, like like having an in media res opening where it's just they wake not wake up but they start in the mid- middle of the situation like it's happening the second yeah. the game is on and sometimes that really helps. Um, and to speak to Jessica's comment real quick too is like you if you if this is a home game you know or or something that you have time to prep for and it's not a con game you know a little like here's an email that gives you the basic rundown of like the world or what you need to know about the the region that your character's in. So you don't have to spend the time at the game table um, or in the Zoom call kind of doing exposition. You know, you can get the exposition yeah. out of the way and kind of set the stage and then be ready. Like, and, and what Joey said too, that like that allows you to get to the action a lot quicker. Like starting, starting a group in the middle of um, a fight or an argument or a car chase or, you know, just something that gets them immediately engaged is a great way to uh, to get things rolling. And it also gives you the opportunity to introduce the mechanics very quickly and very early. I love it. I've never started a, a one-shot in media res like that, but I'm going to definitely steal that idea. Um, I, I usually give like a little bit of like, okay, here you are, a little bit of table setting before I have some sort of instigating, inciting incident, incident um, right at, up at the beginning. Um, I try to get them into some sort of action, um, whether that is an actual fight or like them taking action within the first 15 minutes maximum. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good, I like, I like to divide my one shots into like acts, like get act one, act two, act three, and kind of dividing my time 25% for act one, 25% for act three and 50% for act two, that little bit. Um, and then I try to keep myself to roughly that schedule really paying attention to my time yeah looking for like story beats that you know that you want to hit is it's a really good idea to say i need this thing to happen this thing to happen and this thing to happen that way you can not only like push the game forward with them but you can also tell like how far along the players are getting toward the conclusion that you're trying to build to yeah the the story beats are super important and having like if you have a b plot or a subplot or something in there being prepared to maybe cut that clean or not care if your if your players don't quite if they are advancing faster than you imagined that's usually a good thing mm-hmm. for a one shot whereas it might seem a little scary for if you are planning on like oh yeah this is our regular uh, four hour session and <laughs> they're halfway through after hour one and then you have to like kind of think on your feet and go. I think mm-hmm. one shots kind of do lend themselves to like, it's okay if they're going too fast, you can throw things in and improvise. It's a little bit more acceptable, I think, to improvise at that point. Yeah. Also like it sucks getting to the end of your time and not having completed yes. what you wanted the players to like, you know, if they got like three quarters of the way through and then suddenly it's the end of the four hour slot that you were, you had with them and they have to like run off to the other game. It sucks so bad not to be able to finish that for like the GM and the players. Yeah. And if, if you, um, if they get ahead and they're, you're, you feel like oh, I'm going to have to improvise to kind of fill out the slot, 
like you're, that's perfect. You're in the position of actually ending a little before the slot ends, which the players, if it's a con game, the players will appreciate. Yes. Yep. Because Absolutely. it gives them the opportunity to go run and use the restroom to grab something to eat or drink to get to their next event, which might be scheduled right up tight against the event that you're running. Yeah, I definitely think with players that you know that are part of like your regular like table group that you play with on a regular basis. And uh, you can, as Craig said, like send them information prior to the game so they can have a little more lead time to try to figure some things out and ask questions and things like that, which doing a con game with strangers or like I do professional GMing with strangers all the time. And it's very it's it was like for the first year I was doing, it was definitely a learning experience of how to like manage time and try to get the players to learn and know what they need to do while still having time to play. And it's okay to like, if it's your regular group, it's something planned, having that, like you go over just a little bit, that's okay. But yeah, it's, it's all time management. I mean, I, I would just echo everything you just said. <laughs> There's uh something to keep in mind too where we talk about like you know good good hook strong opening get right into it is on the other end to bookend the story having a clear resolution mm-hmm. like this is the end we know it's the end i as the gm i'm not fooling you i'm not trying to goad you into doing something more especially if you end a little early like players sometimes might think oh there's got to be more we got 45 minutes yet um uh, you know, and if you can come up with something that like, you know, tails that out, you can, but you don't have to like you like it, it, in a home game that's ongoing, you might be like, oh, well, we, the players defeated the baddie. They're like, well, OK, is this the this this the end all be all baddie or is there somebody else in charge? Was this just the number one? You know, is this the real baddies number one? And there's still another step to this. You know, if, if you can set out like, you know, using that ghost, uh, you know, the haunted house ghost story thing that I mentioned earlier, which is like, okay, there's a haunted house. You're going to go in there and clear out the ghosts. And then you go and you start to play the game. The players discover that there's like one ghost who's responsible for summoning up all the other ghosts. So when that ghost is gotten rid of, that's the clear resolution. This is the point where like, there might be a little mop up with some other ghosts, but like the, the threat has been ended and making, uh, making what that resolution is clear at some point, it doesn't have to be clear at the get go, but it has to be clear you know, probably by halfway through, the players should know yeah. kind of where they're going so that they can plan for it. And if they do get sidetracked um, or or there's challenges to overcome and they take some time, they know that they've still got time to get to that resolution and they're not worried that they're missing something. Yeah. They've got they've got a goal. It, it, like you mentioned, Joey, earlier, it's so dissatisfying if you can't finish the game and like you need to also have time, not just for the resolution of the conflict, like you mentioned, Craig, but also for the denouement, uh, denouement, mm-hmm. denouement, uh, denouement. Uh, so, um, the denouement, as denouement. we say, <laughs> but like, I like to do that, um, by explicitly asking my players to wrap things up, um, telling, like giving their end of the credits, this is what the character was doing freeze frame. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I like doing that because it is a it is a good way to make sure that they are personally satisfied in the ending. Um, but yeah, doing everything in your power to get to the resolution, because if you don't do that, you didn't finish your one shot. You didn't get your goal. Um, and yeah, it's that's a sad thing. It's good to have if there's clues that are going to lead to the final scene. It's good to have what what you've prepared 
have some flexibility built into it. Like they, they need, mm-hmm. they need three clues. They need three things. They got to figure out three things in order to get there. Well, those three things can be figured out in a, ideally a plethora of different ways, like a number of different ways you can, they might discover two of the clues at the same time, right toward the end, because time's running a little short. So that's, that's okay. That's not cheating. You don't have to give them a different uh, a scenario, a different uh, challenge to find each of the three clues. If you need, if you got to get the, get, get past it, cause time's running short. Well, they find the last two clues in, you know, in, in quick succession. Or, or they don't. Um, like if you're playing a Baker Street game, for example, a Baker Street, you're, you're literally finding clues and, and defining clues and trying to figure out a mystery. And if you don't do that within the time frame, because there is kind of a mechanic built, built in for like what happens if the players aren't getting there at the time that they need to get there. Oh, uh, well, maybe the villain now they've gotten everything they wanted and they're going to do their monologue. And now, now you get to that final, like they have one last shot, but it's going to be way harder for them because they didn't get there. Like you can always kind of get that to happen uh, while also not playing with kid gloves. Right. You didn't yeah. stop the crime, but you can still get the villain. Yes, exactly. I actually really like uh, games with mechanics that do things like that. Like I love clocks in games. So like, you know, you, you say, well, you have this much time and then this happens and this much time and then this happens. And when the clock is full, that's the resolution. You just have to make sure the players are informed. That's what you're using. Yeah. And, and again, picking the right game for what you're trying to do as well. Yes. Another thing that I try to keep in mind because it, it flies a little bit against what you can do um, and the opportunities you have when you have got a, a long campaign with the same players and characters over and over is um, just kind of planning or knowing what the, the, the cool factor things are and making sure that you find a way to get to them. Have, make sure that the group as a group gets to do one or two really cool things and that each mm-hmm. of the characters gets at least one real moment to shine. Um, it for for character reasons and not just because they happen to be the person in in the situation you know in the, in the way um, to do one cool to do their character thing like you got the sword fighty guy make sure the sword fighty guy can do some sword fighting you got the the manipulator the manipulator uh, woman make sure the manipulator woman has a chance to like you know pull one over on somebody um, and uh, you know and get those things through and uh, so that when they get to the end and they have the big the wrap up. It's you're not suddenly trying to jam a cool factor moment in because hopefully <laughs> hopefully they'll all win and it'll be a, a bit a big group celebration. But you're not trying to like suddenly um, you know pay off two or three other characters who haven't had their their moment in the sun yet, which which can feel forced sometimes. Um, it can extend the, the the sequence. It can you know possibly cause you to bump up against your your time slot. Yeah. So just, it's one of those things to keep in mind is like, know, know what, you know, and for pre-gen characters, that's great. Always like, you know, like this, I know this pre-gen character does X, Y, and Z. I'm going to make sure they get a chance to do one of those things in a really important way and mm-hmm. just plan for that for everybody. Ideally that all happening within the middle bit rather than mm-hmm. delaying it until the last quarter, like try to get it done in act two, if you're doing a three act structure. I, I like like to at the beginning of the game to ask the question of players it's like what do you want to do in this game like if you had one thing you want to do what is it and that really helps me kind of drive their individual wants and kind of seed them throughout the story just explicitly saying hey what do you want to do works so well 
And right. You never know what the players will latch onto with this character that they've just been introduced to potentially too. Mm -hmm. You've got a character that like does like X, Y, and Z cool things, but then they have this one piece of gear that for some reason, like the players like, Oh, my character's going to use this like crazy. I'm going to just constantly, I've got a play test running where there's like a hoverboard thing. And like one of the players was like, I want to just play with my hoverboard all day long. I want to do cool stuff with the hoverboard <laughs> and all it in the game rules. It's like, it's just a piece of equipment that costs a thing and it does a thing and it's like a little short description, but like in a game, like that might've just been a piece of gear that I gave a character um, where they got these other cool powers and abilities and, but they latched onto that thing. So if they tell you at the beginning, I want to do cool hoverboard stuff. You're like, all right, we're going to make sure you got like a pool that you can hoverboard across and <laughs> you can, you can do like, you know, skateboard style tricks up a wall and yeah. <laughs> beat somebody over the head with it, you know, whatever it is they want to do with the, <laughs> with the hoverboard. And speaking of character moments, um, one of the consequences in a lot of games is the possibility of a character death. But in a one shot, that's not always a great consequence well, because it requires she, making a new character. Jesse, just send them home, right? Yeah, that'd be really fun for everybody. <laughs> Everyone would really love that for the the team to sw- slowly dwindle. Now there are there are some games that like the characters dying like that's supposed to happen often, and that's why yeah, you have explicitly part. Yeah, get your little stack of pregens ready if that's something necessary, or they probably have a system that is very easy to make a, a character. Or or you have a game where after the character dies, you take on a different role and do a different thing in the game. Like that, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You still have something to do, even even if your character is dead. You have something to do in the game. Making mm-hmm. sure that either the system has a plan for characters if they die, or that you have a plan, or yep. just not letting them die until yeah. the third act. Like, yeah. I think I just think a good it. time mm-hmm. for people to kind of sit and enjoy if their character has died is. 15 minutes is the maximum I would ever want anyone sitting around and just kind of observing at the end of a game. Like, mm-hmm. and that's pushing it because 15 minutes is a long time. A, a con game. Ooh, man, I would, I would probably limit that even to the very last couple moments of the game. Um, but I would certainly provide consequences for them doing doofus actions. If they're going to do some doofus <laughs> actions. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't mean everyone gets off scot-free and can do whatever they want. Um, but yeah, just making sure that you do have a plan in case they they decide, uh, yeah, setting off this bomb in this room while I stand right over the top of it is a great idea. Making sure that you do have a backup for that um, if if death is a possibility in your game. Now you're playing a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, does, it, it the thing is, it doesn't have to actually, if you don't want the death in your game, just if someone, if the system that you're running with allows for character death, then whenever the character that, is in dire straits gets close enough to dying you can always have like say the villain does his monologue and then jumps out the window or something uh-huh. you know you can always kind of deflect it a bit or like it for instance uh the game that i wrote follow me down is a one-shot game explicitly designed where the characters cannot die because mm-hmm. they're already in the underworld so where would they go the under underworld <laughs> <laughs> underground underworld and there there you, you could you could potentially house roll a little something there in there too even for a game that has character death while well, your character you hit zero hits or whatever your character dies well no your character doesn't die they're horribly they're they're badly injured and you're going to have to play that going forward which um, is fun actually and and is. then and then you have maybe maybe they're okay now they're you they they you when you go to the next scene okay you, you're at half your hits 
you can never have more than half your hits because you're badly injured. And so they're always kind of close and they're, you know, they, they might, yeah, like you said, that might, the player might suddenly be like, Oh, my character's not going to put themselves in danger so easily now, all of a sudden, um, or they are, you know, injured and in bad shape and they might decide, well, I'm going to wait till I'm in the final scene and then I'm going to go hog wild. And mm-hmm. if my character dies defeating the, the villain, then so be it. And then that's a great moment for them to, to wrap the story with, but yeah, you can, there's, there's a lot of different ways to take that. Or you can just have a pile of pregens, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> pile of pregens can be fun. Um, Dungeon Crawler Classics does that on purpose. Yeah. That you meat, get sent meat through grinder, meat grinder adventures, yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and doing doing a doing a zero level um, Dungeon Crawler Classics one shot can be very very fun because you're just getting your stamp dead and you mm-hmm. keep going with your other. It's, it can be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, so too are like the consequence, like like you said, Joey. Um, the playing the injured character or maybe maybe you're playing a game where slowly the the characters turn more monstrous or they get mm-hmm. weird i played a lasers and feelings game once where instead of uh us dying with they just kept adding silly things to the like bad consequences would happen to the characters like now you are stuck in the body of a cat person and now your cat person <laughs> who also got seriously injured now has a they grafted a unicorn uh, in the process of saving them. They grafted a unicorn horn on their head. Like a lot of like, we <laughs> and just like, cause it was supposed to be this wacky game of, of, of pulp sci-fi. Um, yeah. There are all sorts of solutions you could have for that, but planning, I think planning is just like the key yeah. word for a one shot. Yeah. It definitely needs more structure sometimes than open-ended campaign games because you gotta, like Craig said, you've got to let the players know what the hook is from the very beginning, and then you have to figure out how to deliver that hook in a specific amount of time. It's kind of like taking a vacation. You don't want to leave anything at home, and you don't want to leave anything at the hotel. And, and Oh, that sure is great. That is a great mm-hmm. analogy. I always feel a little nervous going both ways <laughs> when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm traveling. Like, ooh, did I leave anything behind? And what can I buy while I'm there? You know, and like you're on the vacation and like, did you get to do all the things you wanted to do? Because now we're leaving and we're not coming back to this place ever again. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, that, that, is a, that is a really good analogy. Good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on that note. <laughs> oh, yeah. How one page, like we mentioned, one page RPGs can be a great a great system to run for a one shot. They're practically designed to be one shots. Mm-hmm. And they are way more difficult than they might seem. Uh, so what, <laughs> what, what are some tips that we have? How, how to create, how, how, how do you make this happen? I thought all of my RPG should be 150 pages long and hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> I am very much a fan of brevity. So I love one, play, one page RPGs just because you're just distilling it down to the very essence of what the game is. Mm-hmm. And it means that you're focused, especially with um, a lot of them, you're more focused on the character interactions and what the character's choices are rather than like the mechanics or like even even like a strong story beat. Like you could literally say, okay, our characters are going to be on the spaceship and things will happen and they're randomly generated and it'll fill the session, but you don't have to work too hard. One of the lovely things about one-page RPGs is they're a great exercise in focus. Yeah, and they really just, are. And just... Taking all you, you almost you, you kind of assume, 
like look at your your larger RPG book and it's like okay what 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 do, what do we not need if we just want to focus down to a like a nice clean idea okay we don't need to describe to anybody what a role playing game is tear those pages out <laughs> we don't need to tell any we don't no GM advice boom we're assuming everybody who's playing this one page RPG kind of knows how a player plays a character and kind of knows what a GM's going to do if there's a GM involved in the game you know mm-hmm. like um, subsystems pff, no subsystems tear all those pages out. Um, you know, if there's going to be special abilities, it's going to be like, okay, you roll a D8 and there's eight things you get to choose from. So you're not going to need 20 pages of spells. You're going to be able to really hone it down. And, you know, it's it becomes a great way to just focus down on design of just like a cool mechanic or a cool story hook or a cool experience for the players or like the game may be built to get to one really cool scene idea. Like everything's going to end with like, you know, the you could have a one-page uh, game that ends with the world explodes. Like you're, that's what you're always mm-hmm. geared toward. Like, well, where do your character, where how do your characters get off the planet before the world explodes? Yeah, a, a, a good one-page RPG does one thing well and doesn't do anything else. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, if you're playing again, if you're playing Lasers and Feelings, you don't need ship mechanics to know how to pilot a ship. You, you just roll your lasers or maybe your feelings. It depends on what's going on. It depends on the ship. It depends on the ship. You don't need 30 pages of lore because everybody has seen a bunch of, of, of science fiction on board a spaceship TV shows and movies. So people are just going to latch onto tropes from those and make the game that they want to make. It's like, oh, is it going to be Star trek where you're exploring and stuff? Is it going to be Save the Universe? Is it going to be you know, interpersonal relationship, but some weird space alien shows up? You know, you can, you can just pick the trope that everybody already kind of knows and just have the game be about that or have the option of like, you can take it in a few different directions. Yeah. I got my start basically exclusively designing one page RPGs or very, very small games. And one of the really funny criticisms I kept seeing over and over when I was either doing research or when, when Alex and I were like looking around or getting feedback ourselves was, well, we tried playing this game, but they wasn't able to do X, Y, Z. So, but it's a one page, it's a one page game. It's not supposed to, to do that, to do that thing. It was a really weird experience for me to be like, did you think it was supposed to, did you think it was supposed to have all of this other, it's one, it's one page poems sometimes don't fit on one page. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, um, that, yeah. It was, it was a very strange criticism. And I think um, definitely take, if you're getting any kind of reviews that say like the mechanics of this aren't very good because they can't blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, it, you just want to make it well, one page. RPGs are great for having a good time doing the one thing. And um, the pitfall of that being just because it's on one page doesn't mean that you aren't trying to fit too much stuff on a one page. If you find yourself resizing your font to be <laughs> eight points, there's no white space whatsoever on your page. I'm using 6.5 Calibri. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one page RPGs had like this huge moment. quarter inch margins. Yeah. They have this huge moment and like the one page RPG that was like, Yes, that is that is the the it needs to be one page. No, I mean, if it needs to be two pages, make it two pages. Don't fit yourself into a box if you don't actually, you know, end up there. You want to make sure that it's legible. Um, 
just because Honey Heist is exactly one page doesn't mean your game has to be exactly one page too. Uh, that's just something I've seen I, and I have also fallen into the trap of doing. Like if you really want to challenge yourself, you can do the 200 word RPG challenge, which happens every year. And those are almost all one pages because it's literally only 200 words. So you get to design the game with that limitation and see what you come up with. It's it's really, as a designer, it's interesting because you come up with these ideas that you would not normally think of to use in a regular like book length game. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just like, well, I got halfway there, but at least I learned something. Yeah, they're definitely a good way to explore game design. That's why I, that's why Alex and I did um, micro games in the first place. We wanted to explore game design in a way that there wasn't a terrible time commitment. And, you know, in the end, like, even if you're like, it's a one page RPG, you're not charging $50 for someone to get your, hopefully not, uh, your little RPG. Often they're offered for free or pay what you Mm -hmm. want. So, I mean, it's, it's a try it and if you like it, awesome. And if it, if it's, if it ends up blowing up even better, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's fun. It's like you said, Joy, it's fun to challenge yourself. It's fun to try to put yourself into, into those limitations, but I, it would be very ironic to be super stressed out about making a one page RPG. I feel like it would be very ironic. And you'd be surprised at like, just don't listen to anybody who says anything negative. And if you get a compliment, that just, it's great. I mean, it's like, because they did, the person didn't spend any money. They just picked up a thing for free. They liked it. They liked it enough to tell you something cool about it. Um, And you didn't spend a ton of time on it, but it was a weird little experiment that you're kind of proud of. And so you get a compliment. I mean, I, at a convention years ago, when I, I had a, a handful of one, one page RPGs written and I was just giving them away for free at the convention. And somebody picked up a copy of You Suck at Making Sandwiches <laughs> and took it home on Saturday night and played it with their family and came back to the convention the next day and said, my family and I played this last night and we had a blast. And I was like, oh, okay, now everything about making that game was worth it because I literally had somebody <laughs> who like went out of their way to come back, swing back through the, the small dealer hall. They didn't have to. They've already walked the dealer hall to just to let me know. And it's, you know, and like... Again, I I lean when it comes to one ga- one page RPGs. I lean toward a ridiculous um, hook, like you suck at making sandwiches, which is literally your character's trying to make a sandwich, and if you make your sandwich first, you win. Um, but there's all sorts of uh, the, the other players introduce all sorts of complications for you to like. You know, there might be an alien invasion. You can't finish your sandwich if you're fighting off aliens, or or just a weird mechanic. Like you, if you got it and you wrap a, a thematic thing around like a weird mechanic to experiment with. Um, which is something that you, you you might get hesitant with, like doing a really bizarre mechanic in a bigger game that you're planning to charge money for. Like one RPGs are very freeing. One page RPGs are freeing in that respect. You can try something really out there. I, I, I designed one that um, it's the, the RPG is a, uh, the mechanic is memory um, because you're going to be making up words. And the idea is to remember the words that other people made up. And if you screw them up, then you, you get penalized. Um, and everybody will I would let be you know. Terrible at that. Yeah, well, it's, and and it's not it's not the it's not a game for everybody. <laughs> but there's no, some people that not. would that would really get into that, you know. Like, I got enamored with the idea of the little devil and the little angel on the shoulder, and I made a one page RPG where the entire mechanic about making choices is you're advised by the little devil and the little angel on your shoulder, and they are other players. Um, so they will the devil will suggest the most devilish thing for you to do, and the angel will suggest the the nice thing to do. 
And then you, you roll a die and decide which one you have to follow. You know, it, that's not something I would put in a hundred page RPG, um, probably, <laughs> <laughs> but it's perfect for, you know, for a little small, uh, like, especially for games that are going to be like just a, a, a cute one shot. Like oh, I played this game where I was just like, I got to be the devil on a person's shoulder and tell them to do stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think like, um, I think like having a very solid idea of what do you want this game to do works really well for creating them. Like um, one of my favorites is the great soul train, soul train robbery, which is literally the premise is you are on a train to hell and you're going to rob it. And that's like the whole, this, you know what you're doing immediately. And it's just, how do you figure out how you get to the same goal? And that's what the game's about. It's literally, this is your goal. This is the thing that you want to do. Go to it. That's perfect. Like exact, you want to make sure your RP, your one page RPG has that super solid, quick premise. And again, if it turns out you end up getting the million bajillion ideas that are really, really cool and also fit for the game. Don't feel like you have to be tied to doing the one page RPG. If you're doing a game jam, just put that in your pocket and and try a different one. Um, But yeah, having a solid premise. So how do you come up with a solid premise? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just... can. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say for me, I just get weird ideas all the time, and I have a working doc of just it's just a list of I have this weird idea, and it's like three pages long. It happens when I'm in the shower mostly. That's what Alex and I did. We, um, except we would we would design games live on Twitch, and mm-hmm. we would each come to our session of game design with a list of weird ideas that we had yes. and we would just come up with a big doc. And sometimes we would take one of the ideas from that session. And sometimes we'd go back through the list and be like, I like that one. Let's try that one. Mm-hmm. Writing your ideas down. If mm-hmm. you, if you like, I mean, that's a good, that's a good tip for any game designer. Writing your weirdest ideas down, even the ones that sound silly and nonsensical can you're on this, you're on the train to, to hell and you're going to rob it. That's great and weird. And maybe you would have thought like, oh, that's nothing. Write it down. Maybe, maybe you'll have an epiphany later. And uh, yeah, I, I think about all the coolest uh, one page RPGs like uh, Honey Heist Your Bear is Robbing a Bank. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, and then there are some of those, um, the, some of those one page RPGs that are more like more mechanics focused. Um, but that's a little, that's a little bit rarer. I feel like, um, the ones that end up being like having like a pretty cool, solid mechanic, people tend to riff on and then they'll reskin it. Like, like this is a laser and feelings inspired game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that. Um, but yeah. Every, every designer has, I have, I've got a lasers and feelings. Everyone likes lasers and feelings. Yeah. It's, it's so it's simple. A, Humans and it's zombies. It's a great concept. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have two stats. I mean, that's the running joke. Yeah. There are, you have two stats. Yeah. Dungeons that's a dragons. meme that pops up. Yeah. yeah you have to... <laughs> uh, any other yeah. tips for coming up with that presence, uh, that premise though? I think like just the rank, like you said, the random stuff that pops into your head that you would normally just be like, eh, and let you know, let yourself forget it. Write it down. Definitely, like the the little angel, little devil came out of like literally seeing like you know watching a t- watching a TV show or watching a movie where the little angel and the little devil popped up on the character's shoulder, and I thought that's a decision making mechanism right there. Like that person's deciding <laughs> what they're going to do, and that's 
um, you know, that's something that you do in role-playing games. I was like in the middle of it, like at the time I was kind of in the middle of, of examining what role-playing games were and what I kind of, how, how I related to them and what I thought of them and, and what, how, how mechanics, different types of mechanics function. And I was like, cause mechanics are just helping you make a decision. Um, um, and then there's basically two, there's like two versions. There's like the mechanics that help you make a decision. And there's the mechanics that determine the outcome of something. Um, and that's, you know, that's all that was, um, most, I think most of mine probably come out of just like weird little, yeah. like I was watching the Seinfeld, this, there's the, the Seinfeld finale. It's in the, uh, in the finale where they're, the plane's going down and George confesses to cheating during the contest where they were all trying not to masturbate because he wins the contest, like seven, you know, six seasons earlier, he wins by, by being master of his domain. Um, and he, he admits to cheating on all of that. And I'm like, there's a role-playing game. Like what happens when the plane's going down and everybody's just trying to unburden their soul and admit the things that they did. And I, so I designed a game that was built around just improving your way through that sort of thing. Like that's usually where they come from is like a little snippet of like, this is a cool moment in a story that I could replicate as a game with like some weird little mechanic or, or narrative wrap around that kind of makes it happen. So you have the premise and you say, Ooh, I could do, I could do this. It'd be fun to have a little mechanic that wraps around what happens. So how do you do the mechanic? <laughs> um, I think, feel like, you know, what the concept of the game is like using uh, Craig's example of the angel and the devil on your shoulder. So you look at what is inspired you or what the idea was. And you basically think, well, what's going to get me from point A to point B in this, what's going to be, the decision-making in this, because that's clearly what's the most important part of this particular game. Whereas like some other games, it'll be something like, you know, um, there's actually a great one that's called Big Hat Small Bites, which is about a bunch of people gossiping at a tea party. And it was basically <laughs> just, it's basically just like, if you offer a certain amount of gossip, you get X. If you do not, then you something else happens. Like it's very specifically tied into what the game is. Yeah, I think that's one of the the things that makes a, a one a lot of the, the more memorable one page RPGs tend to have a mechanic that so tightly adheres to what the game, you know, the hook of the game is. There's there's variations on that. Like obviously, you know, Lasers and Feelings has been applied to a lot of different um, kind of genre and, and style of games and everything because it's it's a strong mechanic idea. You got two things that sort of oppose each other, and it's you know one's good and one's bad, no matter how you play it. Um, and, but like, you know, like, like you said, with honey heist, it's like, literally it's like honey and heist. You, okay. Bears like honey and thieves do heist and you're a bear and you're going to go steal something. That's literally all the game is about. And the mechanics are kind of built around that and everything else that's in there is just building on the idea. Well, what kind of bear are you? And like, what, what kind of cool bear ability do you have because of that? Because you're a bear. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, building off of, you know, the, of, of what the, this, silly little hook is that you have and just finding a mechanic that works for that because honestly anybody can you can come up with a hook for like come up with the weirdest hook for a game idea and just say oh and you roll a d6 and if you roll a five or six you're successful (laughs) you know that's that's okay i mean you can play the game but it's not gonna i I don't think it's going to attract a lot of people to be like this is really something interesting that's worth playing that's that i'm going to try out this weird thing but if you've got a game where you know you're (laughs) <laughs> just to fall on the on the 
the trope again is like i'm a bear what kind of bear am i like oh my god now i've never played a bear like that i'm this type of bear so i get to do these this bear thing um that's more interesting and 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 the two mechanics are just tied into two very specific things that your character does that's more interesting than um like assigning simple you know like more traditional mechanics and i got like a a a series of stats and there's a unified mechanic that works for all of them that's very similar to other mechanics it's a target number or it's a, a dice pool or whatever um yeah and and it's a great it's a great way to just try weird stuff i've done like I said, you know, stuff that's based on memory, stuff that I did a LARP called Thing or Not a Thing, where everybody gets a card that says, a piece of paper, you print them out, everybody gets a little card that says, not a, on the top line, and thing. Um, and you keep that in your pocket, and you there's a mechanic to deal with. Uh, like It's basically the thing, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> um, and you, you split up into different groups at different times in different ways. And there's, um, you're always trying to hope that you can kind of get somebody alone. So you can, if you're a thing, you can make them a thing. Um, and <laughs> that all you have to do is just show them the card and that have you scratched out the not, uh, you know, and, and so then nobody has to say anything. I can just show you my card and it says not in the, the, the not, uh, is scratched out. So now, you know, you're a thing now, now we're both on the same team and our, our plan, our hope, our goal is to make everybody things and you can accuse people and you have to do that publicly <laughs> um, and reveal the card. And yeah, that's, and yeah, that's that comes good. It comes from the, you know, the core concept of, well, what's the point of this game? What are you playing toward? It's where the thing is trying to make other people infected to become things and the other people are trying to survive. And, and that's get, and basically get rid of it. Yep. And, yeah. and, and the whole mechanic is built around the thing is just the, the entire mechanic is built around two things. The thing trying to make other people into things and the humans, the people who are not a thing, um, trying to identify the things. I, I think if any, any genre of tabletop games lends itself to this and will give you permission to do this, it's okay to be a little gimmicky too with yeah. the mechanics that you're using. Yes. I, I think it, Gimmicks can get old, but you're playing a one-page RPG. You're not going to be playing it for years and years, probably. I I would go so far as to say people embrace one-page RPGs that are highly conceptual and gimmicky. It's because you know exactly what you're going to be doing. Like it's telegraphed from the very beginning. And it's a one-page and it's got a title and it's got like a a nifty mechanic that you can latch on to so quickly. And you get like the players get excited about it quickly. That's one of the great things Mm -hmm. about an art. Like I can pick up a 150 page RPG and like, I might think I'm going to like this, but I'm not really going to know until I dive into it a little bit. One page RPG. I probably know in the first two paragraphs, I read the title and I read the first couple paragraphs and I'm probably, I've got a good idea whether I'm going to like this or not. Mm-hmm. So you have your idea, you have your mechanic. How do you, ex- you have a, you have one page, Let's say you are limited to one page because a wizard cast a spell on you, and now you can only write one-page RPGs. How do you explain the mechanic and the premise in as few words as possible? Like, how do you master the precision of a one-page RPG? Honestly, practicing. Just write it out in long form, write as much as you want first, and then pare it down and see how well you can keep it clear, the amount of paring down and removing things. If you are able to do that and it's still clear, then you kind of have your answer. You're like, I've distilled this down to the very essence of what this game is about. One of my watchwords for game design in general, and definitely for one-page RPGs, not watch word, but watch phrase, I guess, is assume your audience is intelligent. 
Yes. Assume that they will make the connections. You don't need to spell everything out, which is why I said you can tear out the what is a what is a role playing game sec- section. You don't have to tell people how to GM. The only thing, the only GM stuff you need to include in there is the stuff that's important to that specific game. Here's a random table. Here's here's a you know how, here's how you resolve the the secret conflict at the end that the players you know don't know about. Um, you know, just cover that stuff. You don't have to get into a, a ton of other things. So just assume that your your players are going to read this, and 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 even if they don't figure it out perfectly, you've probably give them given them enough of a of a of an idea of how everything's going to go that they're going to try to play it, and they're either going to figure it out as they play, or they're going to maybe get it a little wrong and still have a good time because it's about bears stealing stuff <laughs> because it's a it's a goofy premise and 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 they haven't put a lot of money into it they've just spent a little they played it for maybe two hours like the 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 enjoyment factor that they get out of it for the monetary investment and the time investment is good all right mm-hmm. i got a pitch now okay Uh-oh. <laughs> it, it's a it's a game you probably do this in one page but i'm not don't hold me to it it's called spell it out and you are wizards at a scrabble tournament <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's all I got for right now. But obviously the mechanic will involve Scrabble. Okay. And the title is going to have the word spell it out on tiles Mm -hmm. that are all kind of cockeyed. Like they're, or they're going to look, or they're going to be on like the little tray, the little thing that holds them all. Yeah. I can't do that graphic design. So it's going to be cockeyed. Yeah. Yeah, Something something simple. (laughs) I mean, so uh, what I would. Letters on squares. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably a Scrabble tile font out there. What I would do with that concept is um, I would say that using Scrabble tiles, you have to make a word that's not a real word, but you have to make it kind of believably sounded like nothing that can't be pronounced. And then as your wizard, you get to describe what kind of spell you have made with this word. <laughs> and the more points the word is worth, the more powerful the spell is. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, and you like could even that. work in things like if, if the word is worth a number of points that's a double like an 11 or 22 or 33 then that makes you get like some special thing is attached to that as well Mm. if you accidentally spell a real word what happens (laughs) to your wizard um it's the diagon alley diagonally conundrum like what you tried to do goes horribly (laughs) awry so what you wanted it to be sort of happens but not really you end up in nocturne alley or whatever right you know you something weird goes that direction not to uh yeah i mean accidentally make up a real world that do you have to have a dictionary at the table i think people have their I phones mean, available if you to play scrabble you dictionary.com yeah yeah i i think the other, wizard, the other wizards are i mean it can happen like yeah like, what if you're playing with someone who doesn't know what a quark is and they think that they just invented this cool new word i mean if you talk to well, it's kind of cute it's gonna be worth a ton of points yeah children <laughs> all the time will make up a word and turns yeah. out they're swearing at you that's true uh, <laughs> gotta have gotta have you gotta have um you have to describe a baseline of language mm-hmm. what language you know are you using everybody everybody use a common language because that you know could complicate things if somebody's multilingual mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, so just uh, you know just a quick pair you know a couple sentences on that um what else could that game be are they are they what are the wizards doing oh they're they're playing a scrabble tournament <laughs> okay they're specific specifically playing a scrabble tournament um so when they put the tiles in the, the spells go off so you you need to have like yeah the spell effect needs to af- does the spell affect 
Maybe it then takes away affect, some of their... affect another wizard and cause them to have to give up a tile or lose a tile or you mm-hmm. know, something, some down, them some downside. Or you could think like a magic show and it has to have some sort of um, noticeable, like entertaining effect. Like, you know, I've turned this bowl of marbles <laughs> into jelly or something, you know, something that's really obvious to the the audience, quote unquote, because if it's a tournament, clearly there are people that are watching it. <laughs> that's or, true. Are you, yeah, are you out to, to defeat the other wizards or are you out to be entertaining? Like if you made it a, if you made it a reality show, then the, like there needs to be some sort of entertainment factor that's part of it, right? Yeah, there, there needs to be a story. See, yep, I, I need to, I, I mean, I guess with a lot of one page RPGs, you rely on the players to come up with their own story. Uh, which, I mean, a lot of one-page RPGs kind of transitioning away from, from the Scrabble game here. A lot of one-pagers have, like, procedurally generated, like, you roll a random thing mm-hmm. and it creates the premise. Uh, why do you think that that's so popular? Replayability. That, and it's just, it's easy to understand for people who are not as familiar with really weird indie games. Just the rolling of the die and generating something off the table is very easy for people to pick up. And having a list of things to roll off of too, if it's, if the things on that list are thematic to what the designer is intending the game to be, it actually teaches a lot more in a fewer words than perhaps like a page of description. Mm. It's like overly, mm-hmm. you know, overly written and really uh, verbose, like my, my describe where it's like, like you could have, you could, you could write honey heist where you've got like three paragraphs of describing each type of bear. <laughs> or you can have just a list of bears with one cool ability and that's fun and interesting. They've got a cool, the bear's got a cool name that you can identify with and it's got an ability that that bear does. And that, and that tells you something about the game. It tells you like, don't overdo it on the bear. Like, keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> don't overdo it on the bear. Right. It doesn't have, a, it doesn't give you a ton of information about bears. It just says like, here's, here's a, here's a bear that does a cool thing. Like just focus on that. I, I love I love one page RPGs and other micro games. I think that they're great. I'm glad that it I mean, like the specific one page RPG trend like really, really blew up, but I'm still glad that one pagers and 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 micro RPGs still exist and there's still a big place for them. I, I love having a game I can just pick up and and go play with some friends, especially like at a at a convention game. Is that a is that a business card with a game this on is it? A, this is a game with uh, on the back of my business card. Called Alex lucky, has one too. Luck, yep. lucky, lucky Dino Robo Pirates. Um, <laughs> it's it just makes it easy um, to to be like, okay, we're gonna do this, and if it doesn't work out, it's fine. And um, also from the design standpoint, um, and just you know the, the the relatively limited amount of time that goes into designing a game like this, it's a great tool for trying out collaboration. Get together with somebody mm-hmm. and brainstorm ideas like we just did with Jess and spell it out. Like you could. Like, I'm not sure exactly. I've got this neat idea for a game and I'm not sure to go with it. You mentioned it to your friend and they're like, oh, you should do this. And they're like, now the two of you are off and running. Um, and next thing you know, you've got, you know, a page worth of information and you've got a game that you can try out. And the mechanics you can always use. Maybe maybe something really speaks to you and it evolves later into a, a larger game. Uh, we did that with our second ever game was called My Mecha Has Shark Arms. And it had a mechanic that we liked and we ended up using it in a different micro game with some tweaks. And now it has just evolved. And now it is the basis of the system that we're using in our, in our newest game. So it just because you put it into your one page RPG doesn't mean that it's done forever. You can always make tweaks or even borrow it wholesale. 
and build on it if you really want to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we did. It would be really funny if we just used a one page. <laughs> we just used the My Mecha <laughs> has shark arms mechanic, um, <laughs> which is a, you, it's like blackjack kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that could be a selling point for some players. The mechanics are one page long and then there's a bunch of setting stuff. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some people would really like that. Yeah, I bet they would. <laughs> I might actually like something like that. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's done something like that before. So, hmm. <laughs> well, uh, Joey, this has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you for coming uh, today and talking with us about running one shots and one page RPGs. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> uh, where can we find you? What do you have to plug? Um, so I am actually, I am crowdfunding a game in February that's not part of the Inquest because the Inquest is not happening in February this year. But I'll be crowdfunding um, a zine-style game called Star Carlo Hall. It's going to be on Indiegogo. And the concept behind this particular game is it's basically you're playing um, wayward girls at like a remote girls boarding school, and it's gothic fiction-inspired. So it's very mystery-based and weirdness, and the heroine running down the hall with a candelabra and a nightgown. <laughs> That's huge. I uh, the the dark academia. I love that mm-hmm. genre. It's a great genre. Uh, and sorry, what is that called again? And it's found on Indiegogo? Yeah, Star Color Hall. It'll be on Indiegogo on February 17th. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, good luck with it. Thank you. You can find me at, at Joska on Twitter, and you can find my games under wannabegames.com. There are links to Drive for RPG and itch.io there. And you can find me at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter and uh, nerdburgergames.com is the website. The games are also at drivethroughrpg.com. Um, if you want the fancy schmancy version of either Capers or Good Strong Hands, they are on drivethroughrpg, but they are also on my website in the web store and they're better books. They're sewn bindings, offset print runs really nice, and they cost the same amount as the thing at drivethroughrpg. So check those out. I thank you to... Steph Sachs for Avil, which is our intro and outro theme song, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you for that. And thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.